Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Welcome back to the LARCast. My name's Tony and I'm joined by Russ. Hello, Russ. What's up, my friend? Glad to have you back. What are you drinking there? You got some coffee? I do. I do. There's a new coffee, man, that just came out by Blanton's. And it's good. It's good stuff. So it's, is it barrel age Blanton's? coffee blanton's makes it or somebody put their beans in a blanton's barrel i think it's just a coffee made by blanton's nice yeah Yeah. do you have the blanton soap too do you wash your body with the blanton soap no no i don't i don't have the soap and they say it's coffee it tastes like bourbon but (laughs) (laughs) they keep saying it's coffee (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, <laughs> well, I appreciate um, Jameson jumping in. I was, um, I took the, you know, weekend off through Labor Day, which is my birthday weekend. We went up to Louisville, me and my wife, Pam. It was either go away with Pam for a weekend or have like a hundred person party at my house. And I just was, I don't know, man. I was just like in this weird place of like not feeling like throwing a party, which is very like rare for me. So we go up there, you know, grandma's got, you know, everything covered back at home and it was good, dude. It was fun. Our, uh, our Airbnb was in Germantown. Um, we hit up a bunch of spots over there and got to visit the heaven Hill distillery. And, um, I know, you know, this, but old Fitzgerald and larceny is in the heaven Hill portfolio. And so is Elijah Craig, dude, I learned something crazy. Elijah Craig was a Baptist preacher, bro. Really? Yeah, dude. Think about that. Here's this Elijah Craig, this old Baptist preacher. He was a crazy entrepreneur, like infrastructure in and around like Louisville with all kinds of different, all kinds of different stuff, man. Um, but yeah, he started, he started that. Um, but the highlight of the trip for me, obviously like, you know, spending some time with, with Pam, but in terms of like things I consumed, Okay, in, in terms of things I consumed, um, uh, we sat at the bar at the Heaven Hill Distillery, and I got a flight of Old Fitzgerald, 13 years, 16 year, and 17 year. I'm not gonna say how much I paid for said flight on this mm. podcast. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk about that. But it was, it was delightful, dude. Well, happy belated birthday to you. I know I already told you happy birthday, but. From me and all of our fans on the Larkcast here today. <laughs> Happy 50th, bro. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm freaking looking good for 50, dude. <laughs> what are you now? Seriously, what? 42? 42. Yep. Man, and I'm two, I'm two or three years behind you. Like two and a half, I think. Yep. Yeah, I'll be 45 early next year. Yeah. Yep. So, so there's yeah, part man. of the year you're three years older than me, and then part of the year you're only two years. 
but the whole year, the whole year, I look younger. That's what's weird. (laughs) No, absolutely, man. (laughs) Absolutely. 100%. But I love September. Like, I don't know if it's because it's my birthday, um, like my birthday month or the kickoff of fall, because I just love fall. Seriously, I do. Like, this is like, of course, it's like different for you because it's like, oh yeah all you guys are drinking pumpkin spice lattes and wearing sweatshirts and meanwhile it's 100 degrees in southwest florida (laughs) so like fall (laughs) fall just like passes over you you're like fall like i don't all i know is summer director's cut with like with deleted scenes extended edition yeah down here we always tell people we have summer light summer we call that fall (laughs) (laughs) quick little break of summer and then summer again yeah <laughs> yeah it's uh but no man i also i, I dig the fall and of course you know i've lived um we've lived my family in uh in Asheville for 13 years so we got to experience all that and then chicago for four so mm-hmm. that was cool man we definitely i definitely dig the sweatshirts and you know out come the porters man and mm-hmm. football's on tv and yeah i dig, I dig all that i miss it and speaking of fall, that totally ties in to today's passage, man. Dude, it does. There was a festival in the fall. We're going to Jesus a festival to. today. The Larkas is going to a festival. It's not as cool as um, the music festival that you recently attended. It's not that cool. It's more of a religious no. festival. Um, yeah. It's called the Feast of Booths. And that is the context of John chapter 7. <laughs> And um, unless you're in Chicago land where they don't pronounce H's, it's the feast of boots. <laughs> to which everyone's like, oh man, there's like a boot fest going on. Dude, this Everybody's cool. staying for the reading of the word today. We're going to be in John seven and Jesus goes to the feast of boots. <laughs> when you said that earlier, man, try not to laugh. It's like, Feast of boots. <laughs> hey, what's up with these boots? <laughs> but on a serious note, they really got is. beers and chili in these boots. <laughs> Bro, I'd I'd go to a I'd go to a festival like that, even if it was religious. <laughs> totally, man. You know they yeah. eat, you know they're eating well. Yeah. I heard though this this feast was like um Josephus was quoted as like this was like the like the festival, like they did a bunch of festivals, but like this one was like the one they went all out for, for this one right here. Mm. It's a good according, one, man. According to Josephus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are like, who the hell is Josephus? Yeah. He's this old dude, bit of a historian. Yeah. Bit of a, I was about the Bible figure. stuff. Yeah, a bit of an important figure, man, if you're interested in understanding historical context. Yes. But so, yeah, man, John chapter seven. That's where we are today. Yeah. So how do you how did you guys do it last week? Because you guys went through a chunk of verses last week. Man, did you just, just cher- did you just cherry pick or did you just read or what? Man, I just I just kept us moving, bro. Just kept you. You kept us moving. How was how was that playing that role? It was good. It was good. You know, Jameson's uh, 
you know, I, I kind of joke sometimes with people, you know, he's our resident theologian, you know, like <laughs> there is. are people who, <laughs> there are people who read and then there's Jameson. Yes. And they're two different things. Mm-hmm. And that's just something I've always appreciated about him. And uh, so, yeah, man, we both came with, I felt like with a lot of content to share and just knowing his, his love of learning, man, and the depth of things that I was like, all right, here we go. Just going to keep us moving. So John chapter seven in the spirit of keeping us moving. Um, are you going to read or you want me to? Well, you read better than me, man. So go ahead. <laughs> oh, uh, whenever time, you feel about like time you acknowledge that. Well, I was, I mean, I was lying, but keep going. <laughs> <laughs> You right. feel like hit that pause button, or if I'm like, ah, stop there, because there's some man, there's some nuggets in here for us. No, for sure. I'm just gonna read the first 13 verses, then we can go back and chop it up. All right, All right let's go. Okay. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. <clears throat> stop. Chapter seven, verse one. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. That's one heck of a way to kick off a chapter. Yeah. Oh, by the way, these guys, yeah, they're, uh, they want to kill you. Yeah. Now the Jews feast of boots. Oh yeah. Wait, sorry. There's an H <laughs> in there. Now the Jews feast of boots was at hand. So his brother said to him, leave here and go to Judea that your disciples also may see the works you're doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his Mm. brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to the feast for my time has not yet fully come. After saying Mm. this, he remained in Galilee. I'll just go ahead and pause there. Dang, dude. So we got a feast at hand. It's a big deal. Everyone's yep. making plans to go. And the context here is Jesus knows what's going on. He knows that um, there's a price on his head. And he gets into this conversation with his brothers about his plans yeah. and their plans for the festival. Now, I don't want to read too much into the text here, but because John says, the first thing he says is these guys are looking to kill you. Okay. Yep. And then he says, not even his brothers believe in him, Yep. but his brothers are encouraging him to go. Yep. If I'm just doing the math here, it's almost kind of like mm. a Joseph and the amazing Technicolor dream coat kind of a thing going on. Yep. Hey, uh, what's your plans this weekend, Jesus? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think I'm going to stay home. Oh, you're not going to the festival? Yeah. I heard these dudes are trying to kill me. Well, you know, if you really want to grow this thing, if you really want to get more followers, you can't be really messing around in these little towns. You got to go to the city. You're going to yep. probably have to make an appearance at the festival. Maybe multiply some fish some loaves of bread, you know, do the magic, do the thing. So everyone can see just how great you are. Why don't you go to the festival? Jesus, have yourself a time. Bro, literally says right here, man. And, uh, in verse three, 
leave here. You should go to that place that you're afraid of where they're trying to kill you. You know, I love this quotations that your disciples may see the works that you are doing. Right. That they don't throw themselves in the camp that yeah. your disciples, that the people that are following your teaching. Yeah. Can see the works that you're doing, by the way, yep. they've already seen this. I mean, they just watched him feed 15,000 people with three loaves of bread. And then also watch him walk on the water. Yeah. Oh, by the way, also he made buckets and buckets of the best wine people ever saw. Right. From nothing, from water. Yeah. So I'm just saying, like, these guys seem to be a little testy. And I love that point that you made, which, you know, it does say here. He's like, they're like, yeah, nobody works in secret, man, that, you know, is tr you know is trying to lead a revolution. Like, you got to get out there, man. You got to get viral, bro. I wouldn't Everything go so far as to say, say like his brothers were wanting to kill him, but they certainly seem to be in a place where they were okay. If it happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you Which is crazy. Things, like that's your family, bro. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, if you think about this, I mean, I mean, I mean obviously we're cracking jokes here, but like for Jesus, he's just rejected across the board. I mean, it goes back to chapter one. Like he came to his own and his own did not receive him. Yeah. He's already been rejected in his hometown by the religious establishment. Here you see like his, even his own family doesn't believe. And, at the, and then at the end of chapter six, he alluded to even someone in his own circle is mm -hmm. going to betray him. And so just the loneliness of Jesus almost feeling like completely like even the people who are like, yeah, dude, like I'm with you. I'm on your squad. They're constantly not getting what he's saying. Yep. They're not picking up clues. Like Jesus was very, very well acquainted with loneliness. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like he's in good company, man, with some of the other prophets. Yeah. Came along declaring what is true and good and right and beautiful. And no one, no one, like Jeremiah, right? Nobody. Yeah. Nobody's following. Mm -hmm. You're like, yeah, man, I know his crowd was small. I'm like, no, it says no one. Yeah. And, and this is something that you and I talk about quite a bit because as we've been doing, you know, we've been doing ministry together since 2014. And it's like, man, like, you yeah. know, you're out just trying to pass on good news. And it seems like you just have to like convict at every turn. Yeah. It's, you know, an argument here, an argument there. You're just trying to convince someone that God is good. It is finished. You can rest. Yeah. You're free. <laughs> and we just yeah. want to, everybody wants to argue for performance. Uh, they want to, they want to argue for fruit. And it just, it, it, it gets tiresome, man. It gets tiresome. Yeah. Very tiresome. Yeah. You, sometimes you can find yourself feeling alone, man. Like dude, where, like, sometimes I find myself looking around. I'm like, where, I don't, all this stuff just constantly being said in the name of following Jesus and faithfulness and church. And mm -hmm. I'm like, none of it's in the scripture. Yeah. All these things that you're holding up and calling everybody to, they're not in the scripture. Mm -hmm. They're enslaving free people. 
And meanwhile, there's this good news to get out to the world of a God who's already done all that is needed. He's already said, I love you. He's already set us free. He's already reconciled all these things we're trying to reconcile. Right. And I'm like, to me, that's, that's such a good and beautiful thing to get out. What's, what's the hang up, man? Why, why is this so difficult? Why do you find yourself just feeling alone in this, in this work of getting it out? And, uh, I think, I don't know, man, I could be wrong, but one of the things that was very eye-opening to me that I never really saw in this passage is in verse seven, when Jesus, you know, verse six, Jesus makes it known to these guys that are questioning him. Like, you're like, look, dudes, my time hasn't yet come. Yeah. The time's coming. Everybody's going to know exactly who I am. Right. And my life will come to an end because mm-hmm. Jesus starts to make known very clear. Like his mission is to die. Yeah. We need, uh, as I told somebody, I was in a conversation with on Saturday, reform was never an option for humanity. It isn't. We, we need resurrection. Yeah. So verse seven, though, Jesus tells these guys, he says, listen, the world can I hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it, that its works are evil. So this whole like, you know, idea that we have of the feathered hair, blue eyed Jesus who, you know what I mean, carries a lamb on his shoulder and, you know, he's just nice and goes around and pats everybody on the back. It's like, well, he is kind and he is loving, but he's also truthful. And like right here, he just makes it straight up known. Like, look, I'm testifying to something that makes people very uncomfortable because what they do and what they want is opposite of me. It's actually evil. Yeah. And it's like, it's so crazy. Like, I don't even know where to begin with this because I came, um, I came to, to Jesus out of like rebellion. And whenever I saw the world and this was, um, compounded and, and affirmed by the way that the, the church, you know, the churches that I grew up in would treat passages like this when they saw the word world, they immediately associated that with the unbelieving rebellious uh, those outside the church world yeah right and so jesus is testifying that their works their boozing and sleeping around and their tax evasion and their voting wrong and all these things all these gambling fools right are always at barstool.com right are evil but Think of the context of John. Who has he been arguing with the most? Who's he been contending with the most up to this point about their works, their thirst for works? It's Dude, been the religious it's the community. Only crowd. The yeah. only crowd. It's the, the religious community. Yeah. And he refers to them as the world. And so one of the aha moments for me was I used to think church good, religious church good, world bad. But when you see here in John seven, when he refers to the world, he means the church crowd. Yeah. He's telling them those who are thirsty, those who think their works are doing anything. Those who are so obsessed with works that it's not your works. And in fact, your works are evil as you're going to (laughs) see later on, as Jesus breaks down this argument for these guys who are so obsessed over the fact that Jesus healed the dude on the Sabbath. They're still on that. You're actually, your obsession with works 
is creating a moral dilemma for you and your works are actually evil. Yeah. Your love of works, your yes. desire to do the works and the works you do are evil. There's no such thing as imperfect obedience. That's what I was saying earlier. Like reform was not an option. Yeah. So these people who are holding up this righteous law are completely ignoring what righteousness actually means, yeah. what it demands. And instead of like rejoicing in the one who's in front of them and in what he's saying, they're just straight opposing him, man, at every, at every turn. Yep. No, absolutely. All right. Let's just move on here. Last we saw in nine, Jesus is a no-go on this festival, but now things change moving on mm. verse 10. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up. So now he either changes his mind or mm -hmm. he doesn't want to go up in the way that they want him to go up with all the right. And in, in, in the center spotlight, whichever yeah. you want to, whichever one you want to say, it's kind of funny reading the yeah. commentaries, like the fact that maybe Jesus had a change of heart or a change of mind is not like, we don't even touch that. It's like, yeah. no, well, of course not. Of course he can't change his mind. He can't change his mind. There's, that's impossible. He's how not very, fully how human. human. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's almost like they're saying to Jesus, if, if, if a revolution is your aim, then, be, then being visible is your plan. Yeah. And he's going, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to go. I'm going to change my mind here. But it's going to be very different than what you think or expect. Right. Yeah, so yeah. either A, I'm not going to go up in the way you want, or he's like twiddling his thumbs and he's like, damn it. Like, he just can't help himself. He can't, he can't help himself. <laughs> he is a man who needs to spread the good news of what God is actually like. He's like me in a Facebook argument. Yes, that's, a, <laughs> that's actually a very, very good example. You're like, you wake up in the morning, you're like, you tell yourself one thing. You're like, Russell? Do not get into an argument on social media today. You wake it up the whole way. You're, dude, you're getting to go coffee in your mind over and over again. Not going to get into an argument today. Not, not doing it. Do not it. doing it. Not doing Hour it. Hour later, you see one thing. Bam. Yep. Some Christian leader spouting out something that's completely <laughs> opposite of what Jesus said. Thousand people going, amen. And I'm amen. like, can't I, I, somebody has to say something. <laughs> Yes. So hold on to that because that's going to come out even later. So anyways, he, he decides to, he decides to go up, but not publicly right. in private. So he goes yeah. up in his own way. He wants to low key. It's kind of his plan. We'll see how well that works out for him. Verse 11, the Jews were looking for him at the feast. So they were expecting him to come again. This is a huge deal. This is like the festival of festivals. Everyone's going to be there. They're expecting him to be there. 11, the Jews were looking for him at the feast saying, where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. Some were saying he's a good man. Others saying, no, he's leading people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. Man, think of the control these dudes have, man. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. You think like, oh, these are you know, these like religious twerps or whatever. Like it's no big deal to stand mm -hmm. up to these guys. Dude, everybody was afraid of these guys. Everybody was. And just to be clear, you see the same thing today. Sure. Dude, I've, I've just, 
I'm just saying, I'm just saying it out loud, but for over 20 years, I've watched people see something that is astray from what Jesus is saying, watching it being handed down from leaders and then watching people like refuse to even, to even speak about it, man. Mm. So yeah. I know we look at this like, yeah, man, that's just so crazy how people were like that back then. But I'm like, eh. We know, we know this, we know this fear. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. 14, about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. Well, so much for, uh, I'm not going and, uh, and now I am going to go, but I'm going to go privately. (laughs) So no, no one knows that I'm there, dude. Six verses later, this dude's up in the temple speaking and teaching. I'm telling you, he's, he's like, he's sitting there going. Seriously, this is the Facebook post. <laughs> exactly. And he just he can't help himself, man. He's got to say something. No, I mean, like, go back to, you know, flipping the tables, you know, yeah. zeal for the Lord is going to fill this place. And he's just man, he's passionate. He's passionate about mm-hmm. the truth, about what God is like. And like, for those of you who are like, I know, I know, you know, this. You know, I know you know this. Some of us know this. Anyways, so he's in the temple. He's teaching. Um, and it says, the Jews therefore marveled, saying, how is it that this man has learning? He's never even studied under a rabbi. This dude's never even gone to seminary. How can, how can he be breaking things down like this? He doesn't have an MDiv. He doesn't oh. have a, he doesn't have a, a, a doctoral degree, doctoral, no. doc, doctrinal, doc, doctorate. You can tell I don't either. <laughs> Sometimes you could just, you could just say PhD, PhD, <laughs> man. I'll tell you, these Jews got a PhD. They got a player hating degree. Yes. Faux show. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> You've been, how long have you been sitting on that one? That <laughs> just came to me. <laughs> but that would be awesome if I actually wrote that down in my notes. That would be fantastic. Don't lie. Don't lie. So Jesus does not have a PhD, but these Jewish <laughs> leaders certainly do. Yeah. And they're, they are bothered by like, man, where did this guy learn all this, man? Because, yeah. you know, just in their culture, you had to have studied under somebody and be able to point to that, that whole pedigree. Right. It's what, it's what made you worth something in regards to uh, what it is that you're saying and people hearing it. Right. Yeah. It's so different than in our day, you know, like no one really obsesses over like, you know, where you went to college or seminary or whatever. And it's, in fact, I would say now in the church world, people are probably less concerned about the seminary thing. You're just like, dude, just don't get in an inappropriate relationship with a woman and you could be our pastor forever. Like, I don't freaking care where you went to school. <laughs> I feel like that's where the church is at. Now. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. When you're talking about conventional institutional church, that, that definitely seems to be like the main criteria. Okay. I don't freaking care where you went to seminary. Just keep yeah. your dinghy in your pants and you could be our pastor forever. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if you know Jesus. All I need to know is that you live like a hermit. (laughs) (laughs) Holiness is not the need. Being a hermit is. But no, it's true. 
It's very true. But the, here's the point that I think we miss is they're still marveling at what he's saying. Yeah. Because they're going, man, this guy's never studied under, uh, under anyone. How is it that he knows more about the scriptures than yep. we do? So now he's going to get back into just his relationship with his father right now. So Jesus answered them, my teaching is not mine. Stop me if mm. you've heard this one. He's been saying this. This yeah. is something that I got from my father. I'm saying, I'm doing what he's doing, saying what he's saying. My teaching yep. is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. I'll pause mm. there because he's about to get into his epic takedown. Yeah. I'm, I mean, it, I think you already hit on it. He's already made this known over and over and over. He is one with the Father. He is God in the flesh. He is the Messiah. He speaks of what the Father is, right, is saying. That's yeah. why what he's saying is beyond anything they've ever heard. And as frustrated as they are, there's, there's no rebuttal. Other than, uh, who taught him this? Right? It's, right. Not, it's, it's, it's that person who's like grasping for something to, to dismantle somebody that's on the stand or somebody who's speaking something that's true, that, that, that's taking down the, the imaginary platform they're standing on. When you can't combat what is true, you try to combat the individual's character or where they went to school or where they're from. And that's the same thing that these guys do. Yeah. Yeah. So like it's a telltale sign that, that you've been owned. What you're standing on is imaginary. It's not true. Yeah. And right. you know it. Yeah. All right. So here's the, here's the, here's the takedown. He addresses, he addresses the hate and why they hate him. Verse 19. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, you have a demon. <laughs> yep. Show us your face. <laughs> you have a demon. <laughs> Definitely a little Chappelle moment in there. <laughs> oh, man. I just, yeah, I just can't help but think of a real high-pitched hillbilly voice when I read you have a demon. Yeah. Does he have Ooh, a demon? Go home. Yeah. Um, so the crowd answered, you have a demon. Another part of the crowd says, who is seeking to kill you? Jesus answered them, I did one deed, and all you marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision. Not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. Right. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath, a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken. Are you angry with me? Because on the Sabbath, I made a man's whole body. Well, 24, mm. do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. In other words, dude, just look at what the facts are here. Just yep. use some common sense. Yep. You're pinching me. You're pinching me, telling me I broke the law. Yep. For loving my neighbor, which is the sum of the law, and making a man's whole body well, 
but you will absolutely in an effort to make sure you keep with circumcision on the eighth day, you will do the deed of circumcision, regardless if it's on the Sabbath while you're breaking the law while obeying the law. How about that? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a very much in their face. Like you allow the caveat of circumcision on the Sabbath, which by the way, is breaking the law. You did it. And so did Moses. Yeah. Moses is guilty of breaking the law too, guys. Yeah. But not healing. And all this, while the true and better circumcision that actually makes you whole mm-hmm. is standing right in front of you, right, offering you life, yeah. and you'll have nothing to do with it. And it, it's crazy because you have that going on. Like Jesus is basically just sticking his finger like right in their eye, saying everything that you're pointing at me against, you're guilty of. I've broken no laws and I speak nothing that is not 100% true. You speak what is not true and practice what is not true. Yet you want to murder me for breaking the law. Right. AKA, I think you're face to face with something that you just don't know how to handle because it's undermining the control that you've been seeking your whole life. Yeah. And you're having a hard time hearing what I'm saying because it's basically almost impossible to hear something when your sense of security is dependent upon you not hearing it. Mm-hmm. So it's not that I'm not true or what I'm saying isn't true. Mm-hmm. It's just that it makes war on your imaginary sense of control. Yep. I'm, you want to be God, period. I'm pulling the rug out. The floor yeah. is coming out right from underneath your entire identity. Yep. And, and what's sad is I'm scrambling this in here. to maintain it. Oh, scrambling. And, and you got people in the crowd, some who are believing we see, but then some who are like, man, does he, does he have a demon? Like he says, people are trying to kill him. This can't possibly be true. And they don't realize that like, no, the, the religious leaders are trying to kill him. Bro, if there was a modern tale testimony to what you often see in Christendom, there it is. Church leaders losing their sense of control pushing out teachings on Jesus and following him and demands and mandates for the church that are nowhere found in the scriptures in the name of being faithful. And then when people speak out against it, you know what I mean? They're made to feel like they're crazy. Mm -hmm. Disciplined. Yeah. Publicly shamed. It's no different because they're, they won't kill you, but they'll kill your reputation. Yeah. Trying to kill Jesus. And meanwhile, all the people that are following them are like, Ah, that possibly can't be happening. This oh, guy must have a elders? demon. No Dude, way. These guys passed the elder test in Second Timothy. Yeah, this guy. This guy must have a demon. It's like, no, this guy's saying what's true, and it's pulling the imaginary platform of control out from under those who don't believe what God actually said. Yeah. And dude, I've been watching that happen for ten years. Yeah. Yeah, I'd throw a bigger stone at it if I knew in my own story I didn't, you know, partake in that. And I think that that's why. And then, and I know you have too. And I, I think that's why we're pretty passionate about it. Like, we've been victims of it, um, but we've also done it, you know, to other people. Hundred percent. And those hurts are, those hurts are true and they're real. There's one thing I wanted to point out in this, and it's just a quick thought I had. When you, when you treat the Bible like these religious leaders 
as a behavioral guidebook, as a behavioral book, right? Primarily. Yep. You are going to constantly find yourself in moral dilemmas like this. Yes. There are so all the rules, all the things that should be and shouldn't be and the demands, the high demands of God's law. When you treat that as, as if it's something you can actually achieve and that the Bible is strictly there to tell you how to live your life so that you can fulfill this law, you are going to constantly find yourself in this sort of conundrum. You can't, you can't do it. Literally. You can't do it. No, no, you never, you never could. And if you believe you can and should, and will, you will have a hard time with Jesus and what he's saying. Yep. If you've come to the end of your rope and in the realization that you can't, then the life of grace that he offers becomes a beautiful experience in which you learn to be human again. And I think the people at the end of their rope are the ones that gather around Jesus as we see throughout his story and the religious crowd that wants control continues to fight him. Uh, we're going to pause the conversation right there. Um, we got word from our uh, producer. Um, also known as Russ sitting in his living room, pointing at his, <laughs> at his watch, <laughs> letting us know that we're reaching time. <laughs> Uh, man, we thought the the silly thing is we thought we were going to be able to get through all of chapter seven. Yeah, uh, it's not happening in one shot, and it's just not going to happen. So until next time, man, cheers. Good news. Cheers. cheers.